We are in a, a series right now called Red Flags, and we are in part two today of Red Flags, and I thought actually, it should be here. Let's make sure it's here. Okay, yeah, it is, it is still here. I still I got my flags. Okay, flags so uh, I've been waiting to, waiting to pull these out. Always love to have a little little prop with us as we go into this series. But um, if you got some notes that are in the room, uh, wave them at me. Let me just see. If you got them, wave them here. Good deal. So today, uh, we are all in for a really special treat because I have my better half with me. Y'all give it up for the Miss, Pastor, Mrs., amazing, Lindsay Belt. She's here. And um, so we're glad. You glad to be here? Very glad to be here. Okay, just making sure. Yes. I was just making sure. I am. <laughs> she was not forced, I promise you. No. She, want, she wanted to be here. I, um, I, I'm glad that she's here. Today, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're, we're zooming in on marriage, and we're going to talk a little bit about marriage. Last week, we did a, a, did a message called Red Flags in Me, and I hope that was encouraging, maybe convicting, maybe challenging. How many, it was all of those things, um, just as we look at that. And, and if you did not get to watch last week's message, I would encourage you to go watch last week's message because that's the foundation of this all. Before we can fix our relationships and before we can really improve any other area of our life, we have to first ask God, God, change me. God, start here in, in my heart and in my life. And so we talked about that last week. Um, let's get a working definition of red flags. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you if you want to just jot this down. This is what a red flag is. This is kind of the premise of this whole series is that a red flag is a warning sign. It's a heads up of potential danger or it's a signal that there's a problem that needs to be addressed. And so gave some of the illustrations last week of uh, if you watch NASCAR or any, any kind of racing, uh, they'll, they'll pull out that red flag and, and wave it whenever there is danger on the track. And so they'll, they'll wave it there. Um, and then also, if you ever go to the beach, come on, do I got any beach lovers in the house? Two. Okay. All right. Nobody wants to go to the beach? All right. Okay. You want to go to the beach? I'll go to the beach. And so... If you go to the beach and you see one of these red flags that's there, then that tells you that uh, there's danger in the water. Just make sure to stay, stay out. Last, last week I said free willy in the water and one of the ladies came up to me and my kid says, who's free willy? How <laughs> many know you ain't in the 90s if you don't know free willy is. So uh, that, is, that was last week. And so we've been looking at this idea of what are, what are red flags and we talked about how just as much as they're in NASCAR and in beach and all that, there's also red flags in relationships where you, you talk to some people and this, there's this kind of red flag that starts kind of going off in your head. And, and maybe for some of you, it also goes off on your face. How many know when you're thinking it, your face shows it? Come on, how many in here? Look at that person right now and say, that's you. You go, uh, yeah, you got that. <clears throat> you got that RBF, resting beautiful face. And so, um, yeah. That's what that means, right? Okay, so, so I want to show you some, we, we talked a little bit about red flags last week, and I showed you a couple of, uh, of red flags. It became kind of a viral trend that people started posting these red flags and giving scenarios and, and saying this would be a red flag. So I have some more for you today of some more red flags that uh, maybe you can connect with. And so let's throw up our first one here. When you sign up for a free trial and they ask for your credit card information. Come on, how many know red flag? Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let me give you another one right here. Watch this. A wealthy Nigerian prince is willing to give you millions of dollars in exchange for your help. All he needs is your bank account number to transfer the money. 
How many of you got one of these emails before? Anybody got one of these yet? Yeah. Or some gift cards. <laughs> or some gift cards, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's look in the area of marriage, okay? Let's go, let's go in the area of marriage. When you ask your wife where she wants to go eat and she says, I don't really care. I just want y'all to know, guys, that's a red flag right there. She cares. She cares, because don't you dare go pull up somewhere and then say, well, you said you didn't care. What she actually meant to say, what'd she mean to say? There are some things you, you don't, like, don't want to go to, so sometimes I'll list the, like, I don't care, but these are the five places I don't want to go. <laughs> but I don't care about the 10 other ones. So you know what? She does care. I just want to let you know. <clears throat> hey, let me, let's show another one when it comes to marriage. When your husband says, I'll do it tomorrow... I don't know what you're talking about. When I'm we lived in our last house, we had like we had a master bedroom that we like I did all of the painted all the walls and like the only thing I didn't do was the trim. And I and I told her, I'll I'll do it tomorrow. Guess when it was done? Right when we, before we sold our house. Three years later. Um, <laughs> so when we're doing a project, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm like, nope. Right now, it's happening right now. All right, we got one more for you. Here we go. When you ask your wife if everything is okay and she says, I'm fine. I'm just gonna let you know that is not true. That is not true, that's a red flag. You agree? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right, all it's right. It's the way I'm fine is said. It's oh. the tone. <laughs> well, show us the one, how do you say it that we should be worried? Because I'm trying to coach all these men here. If you say it which way? I'm fine. So if you say it that way, then it's a red flag. Yes, most, yes. Okay, give us, give us it when it's actually you're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Did, y'all get, did the men get that? Did y'all understand that? Do the women understand? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we're done. Well, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, y'all been helped already. Okay, let's just go home. All right, let's get to the Bible. <laughs> Proverbs 27, 17 is our theme verse for this whole series, and it says this, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precaution. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. And so uh, this, this scripture is just telling us that, that there are some red flags, and God even gives us these red flags to show us that there are things that we need to be mindful of in all relationships and in all things that, that if we're not careful, we can just go right past it and face the consequences of that. And so today we're going to look at marriage. So I just want to know who I'm talking to in the room real quick. If you are married, come on, let me hear you. If you're married in here, raise your hand. Let me hear married people. Okay. All right. All right. All right. If you're online, just, just chat taken. Okay. <laughs> Put it on there. All right, uh, if you're single in the house, let's hear. If you're single in the house, let me hear you. <laughs> Come on, single people, let's go, let's go. All right. Uh, first off, let me just say this to all the single people. Don't check out of this message. Uh, this message is going to be applicable to you in, in many other ways. First off, just because there are relationship principles that no matter what always apply. Number two is um, you probably, maybe, potentially will be married at some point, so you will need these things. And then I just believe this will be a seed in your heart that will sow fruits of righteousness down the road. 
uh, because there's going to be a lot of married people that said, I wish I would have heard this one a little bit a while back or, or whatever that may be. So that's for you. Also, if you're single, um, next week we're doing red flags in dating and in single, and we're gonna talk about that specifically. And so I'm gonna encourage all the married people, show back up because some of y'all need to start dating again. Yes. Come on, somebody, squeeze your husband and go take me out. I need a steak in my life. Okay, so <laughs> no more Taco Bell. All right, so... All right, so let's talk about red flags in marriage. We're gonna give you four today, four red flags in marriage, and I'm excited about these. If you are married, I just wanna say, just first off, we by all means, we always say this on the front end, we're definitely not the gurus of marriage. We have so many mistakes, we'll share some of those today. Um, We just wanna be people who, whatever the Bible says about how to do relationships, we just wanna do it that way. And so for Lindsay and I, we're going to come to you and just, just share what the Bible says about marriage. Um, we will be celebrating 19 years coming up in April, and so excited about that. And yeah, yeah. So it's awesome. And so I just want you to know, listen, we're, we struggle in our marriage just as much as everybody else does. Just because we're pastors doesn't mean that men at best, uh, the best of men are still men at best. And, and so... As you hear these, I just want you to hear it from our heart. We, we want to help. I, I, if I was to sit down with you and Lindsay and I were to do some, some counseling with you, if you had some marriage issues, we probably would go over these same things. Uh, so I want you to just imagine we're sitting at coffee or at our house or on a couch and just sharing this. And, and this is just from our heart because these four areas, I believe if you really do make sure that these four areas are healthy in your relationships, your marriage will be a healthy marriage. Not that you're not gonna go through hard times, because how I many know marriage takes work, but, but I believe if we put these really into practice, we'll really see health flourish. So if you're, if you're on the brink of a really bad place in your marriage, just know, I think God wants to speak to you today. And if you're in a really great place in your marriage, God wants to speak to you today. And so let's, let's kick off the first one, and I'm gonna have Lindsay kick us off with the first red flag. So red flag number one in marriage is this? this. You don't have to, but <laughs> it just makes it real cool. Okay, All right, so, so <laughs> go red for flag it. number one is when you stop pursuing each other. There we and go. so Ephesians 5, 31 says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united <clears throat> into one. And in the Hebrew, the word united is debak. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but you know. What? I think that's how it said. <clears throat> Excuse me. It says to uh, the Hebrew word for united is to cling or adhere, to catch by pursuit, or to pursue hard. And how many of y'all know when y'all were first dating, y'all pursued hard. You were on your best behavior. You did tons of things. You spent a lot of hours and a lot of time. Um, we kind of have a, have a funny story about when Josh and I were um, dating. Is uh, I lived with some some uh, roommates, and um, at the end of the night, I'd tell my friends like, "Oh, I'm so tired, I'm going to bed." And then my mom would call, and I'd be like, "Oh, I'm tired, I'm going to bed. Yeah, I can't talk." And then my phone would ring, and it was Josh, and they had they knew that ringtone, and so I would jump out of bed, and and they're like, "Oh, you got." My friends would be like, "You got perky real fast. Like, oh, you're you're not tired anymore." And so <laughs> we'd. St- Stay up till probably midnight or so talking. So, you know, and then as you get married, you're like, it's eight o'clock, I'm going to bed. You know, like, (laughs) I ain't got time to talk. But like, when you wanted to pursue them, you pursue them. And it's funny because- It's like, you're like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Like That's like a 20 minute process. And you're like, just like enjoying each other, hearing each other breathe. I mean, just like, oh. And now I'm like, your breath stinks. Get out of my face. (laughs) 
Actually, that happened the other way last, okay, anyway. Uh, anyway, uh, and another thing I remember is um, I was about to do a 5K, which is funny because he's the runner now and I'm not at all. And I remember I was leaving that morning and in the like handle of the door of the car was a note, you know, like encouraging me for Murray. So we did tons of those things when we were dating but how many of y'all know you still need to do those things as you're married because life happens. And if you get caught up in the day-to-day, like you can go a whole day sometimes and realize like, hey, we didn't really connect. And so you have to make sure you're making those times that whatever you did in the beginning to get them, you have to keep doing it. I know you kind of maybe hear that often, but it really is so important. And it says, like, as it said, as united, it's to pursue hard. And, um, I don't know if you're in that place. Sometimes you can be married for a long time and wake up and realize like, hey, where, where's our relationship now? Like, where did it go? Where's our fire? Where's the passion? Where's the intimacy? Because you let the day-to-day-to-day go and not doing those things that you need to to keep what you did in the beginning. And how many of y'all know your marriage vows? You said what? To love and to cherish. So the definition, the dictionary definition of cherish is to keep or to cultivate with care and affection. And you may say, yeah, oh yeah, I love them, I'm loving them, I'm doing great, I'm loving them, but are you cherishing them? Are you cultivating with care and attention? And it's not easy, right? You're gonna have to say, to say yes to him, you're gonna have to say no to some other things or her. But isn't this the most, besides God, the most valuable relationship that you do have? So make sure you're keeping even your vows that you made before God to love and to cherish. Mm. And so somewhere along the way we've stopped pursuing or we can and we can get lazy. And it's not a condemnation if you've gotten lazy. Hey, it's just a, a flag. Like, hey, let's assess this and let's just continue to work on it. And it isn't just a date night because, like I was saying before, there'll be some days I'm like, hey, I don't feel connected to you. So let's just like, let's just spend some time together talking and it doesn't have to be necessarily a date night. But I even don't feel connected if we're not communicating well um, from day to day because life is busy and it does get crazy. So is there any other area of your life that you can be inconsistent and it's okay, right? Like at your job, if you start getting lazy, like you're going to get some write-ups, you're going to maybe get fired or um, with your, um, just your physical body. If you don't take care of your body, there's going to be some warning signs that begin to start happening. So why do we think it's okay with our marital relationship to just let those things go? You're going to start noticing those signs. And you can look at somebody else's marital yard and think that their grass is green and see that their grass is greener, but they're probably watering it and tending to it and just spending the time. And so it's, you know, possible for you. And just that, that statement, you know, like if the grass is greener and somewhere else, just, you know, don't be envious, just water your own yard. There's some work and some intentionality that you're going to have to do to put into your own relationship. And one of the stories that shows this is in Genesis 29. If you, uh, if you look with me in Genesis 29, it's a story of um, when <clears throat> Jacob was going, trying to find a wife. And it says that Jacob went, he said, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah and the name of the younger one was Rachel. And, and it says that Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and beautiful and was beautiful, which by the way, that's. That just means that Rachel was, was very sexy and, and Leah had a great personality. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, the trans, that's, the P, that's the PJT, um, Pastor Josh. Look what it says in verse 18, though. Jacob was in what? 
He was in love with Rachel. And he said, he, he was so in love that he said, told, told her father, I'll work for you for seven years. That's how much love I have for her in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. And it says, so Laban says, well, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. So just, just stay here with me. So verse 20, it says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they, watch this, but they seem like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Such this huge passion and, and desire for her that, that he was willing to do whatever it took to get her. And if you know the story, though, uh, that he goes and has the wedding day, and Laban does a little switcheroo. And Laban doesn't give him Rachel. Laban gives him Leah, and he doesn't, he, he, he goes and has the wedding night with Leah, and w- literally wakes up the next morning and goes, ah! You're not Rachel. <laughs> She's like, surprise. But I do have a good personality. <laughs> um, and, so, and so Jacob goes back to, Jacob goes back to Laban and is like, you tricked me. And so Laban says, well, I'll give you Rachel, but you're going to work another seven years. And I've always, I've always thought of it that he had to work another seven years, like a total of 14 years and then finally got Rachel. But if you actually read the verse, it says that Laban says, I'll give you Rachel now, and then you need to work another seven years. Which, I just want you to see this because here's the principle of all of this. The the lesson is that Jacob continued to work for Rachel even after he already got her. And what ends up happening is, is that once we get the spouse, we stop working. We stop serving, we stop pursuing. And yet Laban, um, even though he deceived Jacob, that he, he um, Jacob decided, man, I'm gonna still work for my spouse. And, and how many know once you get your spouse, you still have to pursue, you still have to serve, you still have to love, you still have to give. It's so important for us to do that. And so if you, that's why when you hear, and, and Lindsay has said this often to us, I just don't feel like we're connecting. I just don't feel like I see you. I don't feel like we're spending time together. What, that is code language for you're not pursuing me. That's literally what that is. You're not spending the time that's needed. And so what, what ends up happening is I've got to come back to realize, like, I'm not a pastor first. I'm a, I'm a man of God first, and then I'm a husband second, and then I'm a father third, and then I'm a pastor fourth. Um, but if we're all not careful, how many know work can go first or kids can go first, or other things can go first, or hobbies can go first, and uh, this doesn't go first, and when I stop pursuing this and I start pursuing other things, that's when this goes into really bad places. And so today, the red flag is just, hey, where's your priorities? If you were to look at the, the last week or the last month or the, even the last year, where, where, where has the marriage been in your priorities? Would would you both say that you've made each other priorities? Which, by the way, if you want to know where your priorities are, let me tell you the two ways you know where your priorities are. You look at how you spend your time, and you look at how you spend your money. You will always invest your money and your time where your priorities are. And so, question, ready? Question, when is the last time you went on a date? For those in the marriage, come on, good job, man. <laughs> That's my brother-in-law. We've trained you well, brother-in-law. That's my sister you're married to, so you better be, all right? So I, uh, but I want to encourage that. When is the last time? 
when is the last time you, so Lindsay and I literally were probably, I don't know, six months ago or so realized like that was actually something we weren't prioritizing like we should. And so we, we literally put it on the calendar. Like every Wednesday night, you can ask Lori, she's our assistant, she knows, every Wednesday night is our date night. Um, I get free babysitting with OSC Youth. Thank you all, OSC Youth, appreciate that. Uh, so I send my kids off to OSC Youth and I'm like, it's just us. <laughs> and so we have about three hours together and hey, listen, we're now in 40s, I'm, I'll be 40 tomorrow. Uh, date night for, uh, thank you all. Date, date night means we stay home. <laughs> We look at each other, what do you wanna do? I just wanna, I don't even wanna get up from this couch. Actually, if someone could just Uber me some food, that would be awesome, and I just sit right here. I mean, no, they, we don't wanna go out anymore, I just wanna sit here. But we, we just wanna be together, we just wanna make our time together. And, and I tell guys this all the time, like, oh man, I can't afford a date, man, dates are expensive, you know, we got a lot going on. I always tell them this, like, date nights are way cheaper than lawyers. Come on, somebody. Uh, it don't cost money, by the way. How I many know you can have a date night and not spend any money? Uh, we, just, we do stuff at home all the time. And so I, I just encourage you to prioritize spending time together. And, and you got to get creative. If you've got young kids, you got to get really creative. Um, you know, if older kids, it's maybe a little bit easier. But younger kids or if you're strapped, you got to just figure out creativity creatively why, how do we pursue one another? I, so I would pursue date nights. I would also make sure that you're prioritizing, and Lindsay don't wanna talk about this, but you gotta prioritize intimacy. Um, so just figure out how to make that happen. Get, get creative, you know. Put, hey, there's nothing wrong with putting things on the calendar. I just want you to know. Like we put date nights on the calendar on Wednesday nights. You would go like, why, why do y'all do that? Because it's a priority and I wanna guard it. Maybe you might need to prioritize your intimacy. I don't know. You know, maybe it's Sunday fun day or, you know. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Monday mania or two, two for Tuesday or wild out Wednesday or throw down Thursday or freaky Friday. So I'm, just... I'm looking at my children. <laughs> like, oh, God, no. Listen, I'm just trying to give y'all some help, okay? I'm just trying to help you out here, all right? All right, so when you stop pursuing, that's a red flag. Stop pursuing, stop pursuing. And, and I've realized that Lindsay and I have had to just have, had to open communication where she feels like I'm not pursuing her enough, then she's, she's got to tell me. And, and if I feel like she's not, then we've just got to communicate it. So that would be the, that would be the first thing. All right, let's go to flag number two. Red flag number two is? Flag number two is when you stop encouraging each other. And in Ephesians 4.29, it says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And y'all know, words matter. What makes a good relationship? Marriage. Words. words. What makes a bad relationship or marriage? Words. words, right? They're very, very, very important on how you use them. And so um, what difference do you think it would, would make in your marriage if you encouraged one another daily, as the scripture says. It says that, encourage one another daily, and you think of the people that you're like walking with and friendships in the church or discipleship relationships, and you're like, oh, I need to text them and encourage them. And we can so more easily do that sometimes with other people, but we don't think to do it with each other as much, and just how different could that look if you encourage them? And um, every time you think about something encouraging or, or helpful or nice, just 
just say it, just text it instead of always. Sometimes it can get stuck here, right? We think it or we're thinking about somebody and we don't get it out. And so just how helpful and and could build them up if we are encouraging to them. And if you do think something good of your spouse, think about it in the other way. You're robbing them of the blessing by only keeping it to yourself. So it may, you know, like train, like, hey, every other day I'm gonna say something kind or once a week, like just have some type of goal to remembering to do what the scripture says is to encourage one another daily. Cause life's tough, right? Like it's hard. And I know it means even like when people can, other people can encourage our spouses and it means a lot, but when it comes from us, it can mean so much more. And so just as a encouragement to the women, women encourage him with your words of affirmation because guys can act all cool and tough, but how, you, how many of you know we all struggle with insecurity? It's something we can all struggle with. And a lot of times Josh often can become what I see in him or the things I speak to him, but in, in a good way, but also in a negative way, if I'm withholding, like I feel like withholding is just as bad as being negative, right? Because mm-hmm. they don't really know how you feel or they don't really know what you're thinking. Because when there is that gap of non-communication, we'll fill it in with what we want, right? Or what Mm. we think. And a lot of times that gap can be very wrong. And so to just make sure that we're not leaving any room for the enemy, they they can know exactly how we feel about them, Mm. how important that is. And so um, a lot of times I'll hear wives say like, my husband is not a spiritual leader, but... If he does do something spiritual, can you encourage him in that? If they came to church one day, you can, can you encourage him with that? Or if they say, um, when they do take their next step, their spiritual step, encourage them instead of like, oh, well, yeah, you went to church, but you didn't sign up for a life group or whatever. Like, just acknowledge, even if those are small steps, that you're acknowledging those steps. And I know, like, when you're done preaching, I know how much it means to, to you when I say something. And a lot of people can encourage him. But when I do, I know that means, means so much more to him. And men want to know, does the person who knows me the best, um, believes in me the most. And again, if we're withholding, they can't know that. Mm. And so, um, encourage what you like in them and see in them and, and, uh, what God's doing in them or done in them. And not just always, cause it's easy to call out like, Hey, this is where you're ABCDEF, you know, you're missing the mark, but, um, how much more encouraging and helpful it is when you build them up, they'll rise to that level instead of always, um, not. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll challenge the men here in this area and the men is encourage her with words of affection. So women encouraging men with words of affirmation, men encourage women with uh, your wife with words of affection. And, and uh, let me be very specific. I'm not, uh, I'm not talking, I'm talking about non-sexual affection. Um, I'm gonna say that again, non-sexual affection. Someone got like, I don't even know what that is. Okay, so <laughs> let, me, let me explain what non-sexual affection is. Non-sexual in its affection, meaning that my... Uh, what, what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do with her is, is not just leading to something. I mean, no, men have a gift. It's an incredible gift at turning any affirmation, any affection into sexual. Your wife is like, I, I'm going to go do the dishes. She's like, I'll do the dishes. <laughs> 
I'm going to go take a bath. I'll give you a bath. <laughs> like men have this incredible ability to take anything and make it sexual. But what would it be like if we as men showed affection without it having to always feel like it has to lead to something? Um, just to hug for a certain reason, to encourage uh, and just to let them know what they mean to us. And so one of the best tools I think that can help with that is when we say things like, I love you, which is good by the way, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna add one word that I think will be the game changer and that is, I love you because, and then you fill in the blank. Because there's something about encouragement that when it's specific, it just goes to a whole nother level. Because how many know when people go, I love you, you go, well, I love you too. Hey, I'm thankful for you. Well, I'm thankful for you too. But when we say like, I love you because, and then we get very specific with it, uh, it it's, it's the game changer. It, it just changes everything. It takes things to a whole, whole nother level. And I, I'm grateful, you know, as I look across our church, I'm, I'm grateful for the people in here, but I mean, like, babe, I'm incredibly grateful for you. Like, I love you because you have a heart for Jesus that is above anyone that I know. I love you because you are one of the most amazing mothers that I know. You nurture, you care, you serve, you help, you love, you, um, you're just faithful to that. I love you because your heart for people is bigger than anyone that I know. You, you, you are so compassionate in what you do for people. You put yourself on the back burner for other people and I'm incredibly grateful for that. And, and I love that you are my biggest cheerleader um, beyond anybody else. Everybody else cannot like it. If you love it, that's all that matters to me at the end of the day. And I just want you to know I love you. I'm grateful for you that you're here and this church wouldn't be where it is if it wasn't for you for what you do behind the scenes that nobody knows that allows us to do what we do as a church. And so, Men, your wife wants to just know that is, do, do you love me today? And, and why, do you, why do you love me? Give me some of that. And, and I think what I've learned in our, in our relationship, because I grew up in a family that wasn't, they said I love you, but they weren't, they weren't very specific in some, of their, in some of their ways that they said that. And so there was deficiencies that were there. And I know that for my wife, one of her love languages is words of affirmation. I know it means a lot to her, and it means a lot to me as well. And so I know in our marriage, our marriage will never rise above the level of my mouth. What I mean by that is my marriage will sink to the level of my mouth, and my marriage will rise to the level of my mouth. People get married because of words, and they get divorced because of words. True? True? And so I need to be mindful of what comes out of my mouth in regards to it because Ephesians 5 even goes as far as to say this, that we as husbands wash our wives with the water of the word, meaning that my wife gets bathed in the things that I speak over her and what I speak over her, she becomes. It's just as much as it is to me, she, she becomes. And so... Um, we thought about talking about communication because when communication stops, a marriage definitely starts dying because communication is, is to relationships like blood is to the body. But the reason I went specifically with encouragement is because I think when encouragement stops, then the, the relationship dies even quicker. 
And so being in a place of, of encouragement and just figuring out ways that we can encourage one another, I think is a huge deal. So if you, if you haven't been encouraging lately, send a text, write the letter, um, send a message, say it face to face, do it, whatever it is. I think just beginning there, and as Lindsay said, I think spotting, not just spotting out what our deficiencies are. How many know we live in a culture that can always spot the red flags? I'm, I'm just wondering at what point do we spot the green flags? When do we spot the good ones? And so it, it would be, I, I, I'm very, very good at spotting what needs to change, um, specifically in myself and then in others. And what does it look like for us to call the best out of people and not just speak to the worst in people? Y'all with me? Um, okay, so that's, that's number two. Let, let's give you number three. The third red flag is when you stop serving each other. That's, this is a big red flag when you stop serving one another. This is what Ephesians 5, 24 and 25 says. It says, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means that you love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what did he do? He gave his life up for her. I mean, no, when you don't understand the purpose of something, you're, you're prone to misuse it. So watch this. So like I could take this iPad and I could go use it to put a nail in the wall and try to nail a nail in the wall. But how many know that, that nail probably ain't gonna get too far in and then this thing's gonna break because this was never designed to, to do that. The same is true with marriage. Watch this. When you don't understand the purpose of marriage, you're, you're prone to misuse it. And if we buy into the lie that marriage is for what I get out of it, how many know you're going to misuse it? Watch this, watch this. The reason that God created marriage is because God loved Lindsay so much that he put me in her life to show her how much he loves her. And God put Lindsay in my life to show me how much he loves me. At whatever point I begin to think that I'm married to her for what she can give me is the moment I start misusing her. Because God has given her to me so that I can show her how much God loves her. Because this verse says that Christ loved the church and the way that he demonstrated his love for the church was, he did what? He gave, he gave his life up for the church. This is what he did, he, he, he sacrificed his life. And most of us think, watch this, most of us think that when, um, that when Jesus gave up his life, we immediately go to the cross, right? Well, he gave up his life on the cross. That's where he gave up his life. But how many know Jesus gave up his life before the cross? How many know the fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth, he gave up his life for that? How many know when Jesus came not as a man, how many know Jesus came as a baby and submitted underneath parents, how many know he gave up his life? How many know the man who needed nothing at all came into this world needing everything from his parents? He gave up his life. And so when he finally goes to a cross, how many know he's already been giving up his life, his entire life, and when he goes to the cross, it was the final act of him giving up his life. And the God who needed no help 
became someone who was helpless. And by the way, how many know that's a picture of our marriage? The man who needs help, I am helpless without her. I need God and I need her to help me be the, be the man that I need to be. And the only way that that happens is if we're constantly serving one another. We're constantly being serving in our relationship. I, I did a funeral, uh, not a funeral, I did a wedding, <laughs> which actually, that's the punchline because I did a wedding a month ago and I was standing up at the wedding and as I was at the wedding, I said, I wanna welcome everybody to the funeral of, I said this out loud, out loud. <laughs> and, 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 and here's how I recovered, okay? Because every pastor, you gotta recover when you say these things like this. And so I recovered like this. Well, it's actually a wedding, but truth be told, it is a funeral. Because today, two people die and, one, and they become one. It's no longer about me, it is yeah, now about save, us. He did a Come good on, job. that'll preach, that's somebody. That's when I remind myself, I'm still in the game, all right. I still got it. So, yeah, because it was like, as soon as I said it, everybody was like, <gasps> like took the breath out of the room. And then I reminded everybody, like, no, 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 this is actually a funeral, and actually you are dying to yourself because, by the way, if you get into marriage because it's all about self, your marriage will die. If you go into a marriage and die to yourself, your marriage will live. Let me put it this way. My marriage will live to the degree, to the degree that I die to myself. My marriage will live to the degree that I die to myself. And just reminding myself all the time, when I wake up, it's not about me, it's God, how can I, how can I serve? How can I serve? Well, I think too, our culture is all about like living your best life and all about you when I don't exactly, can't remember the scripture reference, but it says, I die daily. We really forget that a lot because we make it so much about ourselves when even just baseline Christianity is God saying, calling us to die to ourselves daily. And that would also be the same um, with our marriage. But in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by getting, excuse me, a love marked by giving and not getting, which is exactly opposite of our culture. But you're not marrying someone that you can get from for the rest of your life. You're marrying someone that you can give to for the rest of your life. And that's just Say so, that, that is so flip flopped in our world. You are not marrying someone you can get from for the rest of your, so you can get from for the rest of your life. You're marrying someone that you can give to for the rest of your life. Mm. And that's just, like I said, so flip flopped from our culture today. It's all about what you can get. Mm. Um, I think sometimes the most romantic thing you can say to your spouse is, how can I serve you today? How different would things look if we asked, if we're not thinking about, because our to-do lists are usually pretty long also, but if we're asking each other, like how much of a burden that would lift or a weight, um, and maybe they can't even do much, but even just the fact that they're there to um, love and serve you. Um, mm. So yeah, just a quick thought. If you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. Um, the Bible talks about us as givers, and that's the same way with our marriage. What are we giving into our marriage? How are we investing in this? Just like when you, some people are really great at gardens. <laughs> I'm not, but um, 
how you, the, as much time as you invest in that garden is the return that you're going to get. Every now and then you hear some people are like, yeah, I just threw seeds in there, like everything is growing. That has not been the case with me, <laughs> but you have to tend it and take care of it. And so how are you doing that? How are you giving and serving? How are you tending and caring for it? And so the last red flag today is uh, when you stop forgiving each other, forgiving each other. First Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrong. Yeah, right? Say it again. Love keeps no record of wrong. How many of you, Say if we <laughs> love, love, marriage, love <laughs> keeps no record of wrong. That is like, that is hard. I'm sure if I sat down with some of you and I'd say like, hey, what are some things, you know, so-and-so has done to you in the past or your husband, I think you'd be able to spout them out, spit them out like super fast, super quick. But the Bible says God doesn't keep record of our sins and neither should we with each other. But that is really, really, really hard, especially when we live in a culture that keeps nothing but records, right? Mm. Um, if you really know anything about me, you would know that I love true crime podcasts or documentaries. Yeah, no, just whatever. I really, really <laughs> like it. My kids, you know, think it's a problem. But uh, <laughs> if you want to talk some cases after church, let me know. But um, if you listen, if you've ever listened or listened to the documentaries, they're like, this is what their phone record says. This is what their internet searches said. This is what, you know, they went here by their cell phone pinging and all this stuff. Like everything has records kept. Phones, computers, schools, banks, doctors, governments, um, everything keeps record. So it's like our whole world keeps these records. Even people, if you know, like, don't let, don't forgive them. They did that to you. Like you need to give it back to them. So everybody's telling us not to forgive, but again, bottom line Christianity is forgive others as God has forgiven you and keep no record of wrong. That's like next level, right? So it's like, oh yeah, I can forgive, but are we keeping record of our wrongs with each other? So every day we need to like make it right or talk through it and forget. And sometimes you can't, the other person may not be willing to have reconciliation, but you just still have to Ask God, I'm not saying it's easy, but ask God for help in. There's a difference though between reconciliation and forgiveness. And I think most people don't realize that is reconciliation is, is we're back together. Forgiveness is though, is the record is gone. You're expunged. But, but I mean, no, there's a difference between trust and forgiveness. I can forgive you and not trust you. And people will, will make you think that if you forgive them, now you have to trust them. But that's not the case. Um, I can forgive you for something that you've done, but, but. Uh, the way we've always said it is, is that <clears throat> trust is, is lost in buckets, but it's earned back in drops. And, and so when it comes to forgiveness, I think it's, because I, I can hear it, I, I say it myself. Well, you're saying I should forgive everybody, then that means like everything should be back to normal? Well, no, not necessarily, because if you're in a relationship that's harmful, I can forgive you, but, be, but, but I can forgive you from a distance. <laughs> I can allow you not to be back in and, and, and hurt and, and do these things, and we've got to talk through all that. So I think there is, of course, two sides to all of this, but forgiveness and reconciliation are very two different things. It takes only one person for forgiveness, but it takes two people for reconciliation. Yeah. And so realizing that that is the case, which brings us to uh, Ephesians 4, when he speaks about this, uh, the Apostle Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, and, and here's how we do it, because we just remember that this is, we do it as God has forgiven us, just as God has forgiven you. 
Isn't it amazing how we can give so much little grace even though we've received incredible amounts of grace? And, and I think the way that you get to a place to be able to forgive people is just to realize how much you've been forgiven. The more you can realize and get the revelation of how much God has forgiven you, it gives you the power to realize, man, I've got to forgive this person because Lindsay has never hurt me worse than I've hurt God. And, and if I can keep that into perspective there, uh, that, that helps me to stay in the mindset of what I've freely been received, I freely give. Where relationships go wrong is when there's been a pain or there's been something that happens and people who have become debtors become collectors. So I've had something happen to me and someone's kind of in my debt and I try to collect from that constantly. That's where it happens. I love how Gary Thomas says it. Gary Thomas says this, couples don't fall out of love, they fall out of forgiveness. And when we get to the place where we stop forgiving, it's, uh, you're, you're just headed to a really, really bad place in, in, in your relationships. And this is in, this is in friendships, this is in really in any relationship, is that we don't really just fall out of love, we fall out of a place where we just stop forgiving one another. And when you stop forgiving one another, um, divorce is inevitable, the end is inevitable, hard, it's just a really bad place, it's inevitable. And so I love using the analogy of, um, of a credit card. You know, if you don't pay your credit card off every month, what does it do? It accrues what? Interest. Interest. Yeah, and you get all these fees that come along with it, and those, those interests begin to expound. And how many know if you don't pay it the next month, it's just more interest and more interest and more interest. And so when we have things that happen in our, in our marriage and there's flaws because we're two very imperfect people, when we hurt one another, if we don't cancel the record and if we don't clear the account, if I don't do that today, guess what? I get accrued tomorrow interest and the next day is more interest and the next day is more interest. And so Lindsay and I have just always literally said this, every night before we go to bed, we're clearing the accounts. We are clearing the accounts. We're going to have a zero balance at the end of the night. Now we might stay up till five in the morning, but we are going to clear these accounts because I can't afford to wake up tomorrow and have to deal with the same thing over again and the next day over and over again and the next day over and over again and the next day over and over again. And some of you are dealing with debts that didn't get paid from five years ago. And so I, in, in a healthy relationship, the maturity is, watch this, here's, here's how you know if you're spiritually mature. It is the time frame it takes between when the offense occurs and forgiveness is given. The longer the gap, the more spiritually immature we are. The closer the gap, the more mature we're becoming. So when the offense happens and forgiveness takes place, whatever that gap is reveals where I am in my walk with God. And so if I can move quickly to forgive, yet again, maybe it doesn't mean necessarily reconciling, um, but, but forgiveness, then we're, we're closing a huge gap that is there. And, and so I wanna, I wanna leave us with a practical next step because I think when we're talking about pursuing and we're talking about encouraging and we're talking about serving and we're talking about forgiving, all of those things, um, here's, a practical, here's a practical step. For those in here that are married, here's a practical step. To get what you once had, you must do what you once did. 
to get what you once had, you need to go back and do what you once did. And this is actually scriptural because Revelations tells us in Revelations 2, it says this, remember the height from whence you have fallen. And it says this, repent. And then, and then, and then what is it calling us to do? Just do the things that you what? That you did at first. So, hey, you feel like you're far from God? Guess what? Just repent. Which, by the way, repent literally just means just to, just to turn around and just go do the things that you did at first. I, I promise you, watch this. Nobody gets married with the, attention, with the intentions of one day never talking to each other, being frustrated constantly. Nobody gets married with that intention. Everybody gets married with the intention of living in a joy-filled, peace-filled, love-filled relationship. But we're in a broken world. We're broken people outside of Christ. And unless we continue to have Christ as the head, Christ is the first. And then, and then we just go, God, I'm going to go back and I'm going to just do what I once did. I'm going to go back and I'm going to pursue. There was a time maybe where your marriage was fun and exciting and joy-filled. And maybe now it's not. And there were some things, watch this, there were some things that I guarantee you that you're not doing now that you did used to do. And if you'll just go back to it. But I wanna encourage every person in here that maybe is in, a, in a, a hopeless state in your marriage, and that is that there is always hope for marriages. Your marriage is never too far gone that Jesus cannot heal. God can heal, God can restore from adultery to addictions to pornography, to abuse, which by the way, I, if you're in an abusive relationship, you need to speak up, you maybe need to get out. We're not by any means condoning that. But, but our, our desire and God's desire is that you would have healthy, a healthy marriage, healthy family. And I hear people right now going, well, what if my, what if my husband's not saved? What if he has no desire to be here at all? Or what if my wife is that? They have no desire to change whatsoever. Well, I'm gonna go back to last week. God, start with me. God, start with me. Question, am I speaking things over them that maybe they're not doing, but I wanna see them be? Do I wanna encourage them in that? Have I been serving them? Or am I saying things like, well, they don't deserve to be served. Well, the last time I checked, I don't know if we deserve to be served either. But how many know God loved us? He's given us. He's forgiven us. He served us. How many know God encourages us? God, how many are grateful that God has pursued you when you weren't pursuing him? Anybody in this room grateful for God pursuing you? So I just want you to listen. If we want to be like Jesus, then God's called us to pursue, encourage, serve, and to forgive. And if we'll continue to put those things back in place, I believe we can see ourselves come back to a healthy, a healthy place. We want to pray today. I want to pray over those that are, that are married. I want to pray for you first. If you're in this place and you're married or you're about to be married, we want to pray over you today and just ask that God would begin to strengthen what the enemy, how many know the enemy is after marriages right now more than ever before? And I believe that God is wanting to strengthen them and, and encourage them and help them. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, right now, we pray for every marriage that is represented in this house. 
you know where the struggles are. You know where there's been pain. And God, I just pray right now for your grace. God, I pray that you would cover them and what the enemy has meant to divide and to destroy. God, I pray, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit right now that the people that are listening to my words right now, God, that that the Spirit of the Lord right now would capture their heart and say, I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm gonna keep pursuing. I'm gonna keep encouraging. I'm gonna keep serving. I'm gonna keep forgiving. I'm gonna keep believing. I'm gonna keep praying. I'm gonna keep loving. God, I pray that right now over this house and every marriage that's here. God, the things that have happened behind the scenes that nobody knows, maybe the words that were spoken or the acts that were done, that the enemy thought that he had the upper hand, that this was it, this was, the, this was the nail in the coffin. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would begin to heal the wounds in this house right now in Jesus' name. God, we pray for lost spouses that don't know you to come to know Jesus this year in Jesus' name. God, we pray for that spouse that is believing for their spouse. God, that they would serve them, love them, encourage them, forgive them, and pursue them as you have pursued, loved, encouraged, served, and forgiven us. God, that you would give us that strength to to do that. God, I pray for those that are in this house that, that maybe are not married, that maybe desire to be one day. God, I pray, Lord, that you would show them how to begin to lay the foundation of righteousness right now maybe in their dating stage or in their engaged stage, or maybe they're just even just waiting for that. God, I pray that there would be a foundation of righteousness right now, that you would help them and develop them to be the person that they need to be for the person that you are bringing into their life. God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are restoring and healing and nurturing and strengthening. God, we put you first, foremost, in all of our relationships. We can't do this apart from you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would help us today. God, we submit this to you, and Lord, we invite you to come and help us where we can't. Give us a strength where there's weakness. Give us grace where there has been sin. God, I pray, thank you for your forgiveness that's there. And Holy Spirit, I just pray right now, Lord, strengthen that, strengthen that. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be with them today. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Can we get.